0: Let's get it going on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, a part of the Fans Headed Podcasting Network on arrowheadattic.com. I'm your host, Ryland Stiles, and on today's show, we're going to hit up a couple topics today from over the weekend. Our last show was on Thursday prior to the NFL Draft Combine. A few stories broke since then. We'll have another show on Thursday as well. So I'm Ryland Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles Again, it's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Let me know what you think about the upcoming NFO Draft, what you think about the things we're going to discuss today. We're going to talk about Chris Jones getting tagged, Tony Romo's new contract, and if the Redskins are really in on Tua Tagovailoa. Let's start with Chris Jones. He got the franchise tag placed on him, as we all expected. I think everyone coming into this offseason knew he would be tagged. The question was, what's the next step? Is the next step going to be the Chiefs finding a extension for him and extending him long-term? Is the next step going to be them trading Chris Jones, like the Seahawks did with Frank Clark. They traded Frank Clark after they tagged him, like the Chiefs did. Is the next step going to be play this year out, play it out on the tag We'll regroup with the new CBA and we'll figure out what the cap situation looks like in 2021 and beyond. And then we'll re-sign Chris Jones. There's a ton to talk about about this move. My prediction remains the same. I think Chris Jones will stay on that field in a Chiefs uniform in 2020. I don't know how, though. Because... It's hard for me to see a lot of players accepting deals prior to the CBA is announced if they can help it. Chris Jones is under a tag. So even if he doesn't sign a new deal, he's still getting guaranteed money and he still has a job for next year. So does he want to avoid signing a new deal until he sees how the CBA plays out? Or does he want to get as much money as possible right now, cash in? and not have to worry about what if I get injured, what if I regress. To me, Chris Jones is a star-level player. He's an impact-level player. If you add Chris Jones to any other defensive line, they are much better. Much better. Whereas with the Ford, you add him to an already good 49ers defensive line, Cool. He didn't transcend that defensive line. Chris Jones transcends defensive lines. D Ford, good player. Good player. But D Ford is not the guy that you write home about. He's not the guy who can win you games. Chris Jones is. Chris Jones can take over a game. The only problem for the Chiefs, and the only reason this is even a topic of discussion, is because they also have another guy who can take over games, and that's, Frank, and that's Frank Clark. Frank Clark can take over games. So how much money do you want to invest into that defensive line? How much money are you willing to invest into that defensive line? When you have holes at, at linebacker, you have holes in your secondary, you still got to pay Patrick Mahomes. You have a ton of skill position players who are going to need contracts. Travis Kelsey. What's going to happen with your defensive line? The Chiefs made it clear at the combine that they want to keep Chris Jones around, and I mentioned this last week. You can go back and listen to Tuesday's episode where I reviewed Brett Veach's post-game, you know, his, his, his combine press conference. Excuse me. He made no bones about it. We want to keep Chris Jones. That's our main priority. We're going to keep Chris Jones in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform. We're going to do everything we can to keep Chris Jones in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform. He did not mix words about that. He was not as clear a year ago about D. future as he is right now about Chris Jones' future. And whenever you show your hand in the NFL, it's very rare. It's very rare that you show your hand. You look at what's happening right now around this draft coverage. There's a ton of smoke screens out there. There's There's reports for anything you want. There's a report saying that the Bills are going to go after Tom Brady. I mean, that's just stupid. That's idiotic, but it's out there. He was at a Syracuse game, uh, this, that, and the third. It's on the Dan Patrick Show. I mean, folks, a lot of this stuff won't happen. But since general managers typically do not do what Brett Veach did, there's a lot of leeway right now on March 3rd, to makes to make stuff up. But Brett Reach slammed that door shut. Whenever he says, we're gonna keep this guy, we wanna keep this guy. There's no reason to do that. It doesn't infect it doesn't impact his, his trade value at all. No one's gonna trade more for Chris Jones than they would have two weeks ago prior to the combine because oh man, they really want to keep him. It's not how that works in a trade like this, an expiring deal, whenever you get placed on the tag, your value is what it is. So it's clear that Brett Veach genuinely wants to keep genuinely wants to keep Chris Jones around, and I can't blame him. You you cannot allow players like this to hit the free agent market, because they just don't. Players who hit the free agent market are vastly overrated by the public, or are over the hill and washed. Tom Brady. Tom Brady on the open market. He wasn't on the open market a couple years ago, though, whenever he was actually a good quarterback. He's on the open market now whenever he's a glorified Mitch Trubisky. When he is Derek Carr. X-Factors in this league, superstars in this league, do not hit the open market. You know who hits the open market? Josh Norman. Someone who you think is a star. He's on Dancing with the Stars. He's getting interceptions. He's going to the Super Bowl on a great Panthers defense. He hits the market, gets overpaid by Washington, and he turns into one of the worst cornerbacks in the league and now he's cut. That's who hits the open market. Talented guys like Chris Jones don't. So we knew the tag was coming. We didn't know how this plays out after that. And again, I think that this plays out with Chris Jones getting on the field for the Chiefs opening night when they're hanging the banner in Arrowhead on a Thursday night primetime game to open up the season. Chris Jones will be there. Chris Jones will be up the middle. He'll be rushing the quarterback. But does that come with a new deal before then? I think it does. Again, Brett Veach does not say that. He does not boldly proclaim that if he's not working as hard as he can to make that happen. And Chris Jones was on Colin Cowherd last week, I believe it was. And, I mean, Colin, Colin kind of led him into saying, you know, he doesn't like the franchise tag. But Chris Jones answered it without answering it. I mean, no one likes the franchise tag. Players hate it. Chris Jones said it himself. What more do I have to do to convince you to pay me? However, it's not as, as disrespectful as people make it out to be. It's the business. It's the business. And until it's taken out by the CBA, it'll continue to happen no matter how good you are. No matter how good you are. It, it's like in baseball. If you want to if you want to transition over to a cross-sport comparison, Chris Bryant was sent down before his rookie year. Out of spring training, he should have made the ball club. He should have been on the Cubs opening day roster. What was that, 20, you know, 2014 or whatever it was? He should have made the opening day roster. You got sent down because if you send a player down out of out of spring training, if you send a player down out of spring training, and he spends two or three weeks in the minor leagues, you get in, that does not count against your major league service time. And in baseball, that's how you get to be a free agent. You have six years of major league service time. So if uh, if playing for every game except for the two week period that you missed because you got sent down at training camp out of spring training get you an extra year on the back end, why wouldn't you do that? The Rose are going to do that with Brady Singer this year. That doesn't mean that, th- that the Cubs don't value Chris Bryant. That doesn't mean that the Cubs don't think Chris Bryant is a quality player. That doesn't mean that the Cubs think Chris Bryant could not have been on an opening day roster. They're just going with the business side of baseball. Tagging Chris Jones does not mean that the Chiefs do not understand his value. Tagging Chris Jones does not mean that the Chiefs are undervaluing him. Tagging Chris Jones does not mean, in this case... That they need that Chris Jones needs to prove anything. It means that the Chiefs are going with the business side of football. They have this tool for them to use to see what the market is trade wise, to see what the market is free agent wise, and to have a longer amount of time while you're under team control to work out a a long term extension. It's just the business side of it. Now, there are some players who the tag gets put on, and it is a prove it thing. Kirk Cousins. The Redskins, tagged them twice. Prove it. Prove that you're a good quarterback. He didn't. He didn't prove he's a good quarterback. They let him go. He goes to Minnesota. And you see, he's a mediocre quarterback who can who can work well in a quality system with a couple weapons. But he's not a transcendent quarterback. But in the case of Chris Jones, this tag is simply just the business side of football. No one is disrespecting Chris Jones. I don't think Chris Jones feels totally disrespected. But he did say on Colin Cowherd that what more do I have to do? And I think that he he will realize this is not about you proving anything. This is about the Chiefs doing their due diligence and, and doing everything that they can to work out a deal. Because they need more time. They simply need more time. I mean, they, they have like $13 million in cap space according to OverTheCap.com. Who tracks all that stuff. You know, credit to them and, and all their work they put in over there. They have about $13 million in cap they still got to worry about what they're going to do with Patrick Mahomes. they still got to see what the CBA is going to do. This just buys them time, and, and they're going to work it out with Chris Jones. They've made no mistake about it that they want to work it out with Chris Jones, that they want him to be a Chief next year. So I think he's back. Let me know what you think on Twitter, at Ryland styles, and that'll be in the description as well uh, if you want to follow me over there. And give me your Chiefs' opinions. Now, Tony Romo signed a new deal with CBS. He was once quartered by ESPN earlier this offseason. ESPN made a run at him and tried to make him the highest paid announcer of all time. Tried to lure him away from CBS. And if ESPN could have pulled that off, then CBS would have been scrambling. ESPN has already taken over the CBS coverage uh, for the SEC. So this, so CBS no longer has the rights to the top SEC games in college football. Normally, you can count every every Saturday... At 3.30 on every Saturday, you're going to get the best SEC game to kick off at 3.30 Eastern on CBS with that that amazing jingle that I sung to you a week ago whenever I was talking about Joe Burrow's hand size. So if they would have lost Tony Romo, on top of losing the SEC, this would have been a disastrous offseason for CBS. So they had to pay him. They had to match it, and they had to get him on their network. Now look, he got paid $17 million. What does that mean? Is he literally worth $17 million? In the sense of, is the return on investment going to bring back CBS $17 plus million plus Because of Tony Romo? No. Now they're going to make it up. Football is the only thing in the world right now that brings in ratings consistently for live television. So they're going to make that money up whenever they they go through half a season of football. But it's not going to be because of Tony Romo. You're going to watch that game regardless. Where Tony Romo does help, though, is the fact that there is no flex scheduling in the sense of a a totally flex schedule where, where CBS can get the best games. So there are going to be some weekends when CBS is stuck with you know, Chiefs-Raiders. Well, we're going to watch the Chiefs, no matter who's going to call the game. And the nation is in, is interested in Patrick Mahomes. Are you interested in the Raiders? Right now you're not, but if they get Tom Brady, obviously, whatever. But, but let's say that they get, you know, bit, uh, Browns-Dolphins. I mean, if they get Browns-Dolphins, you've got Baker Mayfield, you've probably got Tua. Interesting matchup but it doesn't keep your attention if it's a bad game. Romo might, though, because he's such a good commentator. And he is a good commentator. When you think back to what people said about him prior to accepting the job, that that he was only getting it because he was a Cowboys quarterback, he was only getting it because he played for Dallas and he was a quarterback, he's proved them wrong. He's worked hard at it. You can see the improvement from, from from a technical broadcast standpoint. If you evaluate Tony Romo with any sort of knowledge of how a broadcast is supposed to work, how a color guy is supposed to work and complement the play-by-play guy, he's improved greatly from a technical and fundamental standpoint. And that does not happen unless you work at it. So Tony Romo has clearly been working at this craft and trying to improve. So that's a good sign. You get guys like Booger McFarlane up there, no offense to Booger, who's the same now, that he was two and three years ago, whenever he was doing college games, he's this exact same person. He has not improved whatsoever. And he's become a viral meme of of saying obvious things. Tony Romo has worked on his craft, so credit to him, and he gets $17 million because that pairing is worth it. Again, that pairing will not drive you to Chiefs versus 49ers. It will not drive you to Chiefs-Ravens. You're going to watch that game, no matter if you're a Chiefs fan or not, you're going to watch that game regardless. But that pairing will keep you when they get stuck on Chiefs-Broncos, when they get stuck on Browns-Dolphins. It's the highest rated TV show in the world in terms of live television. It's the highest rated TV show in America. It is the moneymaker for CBS, and you've got to keep that pairing happy you've got to keep it together cuz again it's not going to it's not going to bump you up whenever you already have a good game but it can't hold you together when you get stuck with a game that is subpar and it's going to happen when you're splitting games between espn fox nbc cbs day games night games middle afternoon games it's going to happen you're going to get a couple bad games a year the even the a crew is going to get a, tuple, a couple bad games a year how do you keep them invested in that game and Tony Romo does that. Tony Romo also gets you clicks. Gets you attention. Gets you publicity. Because he's going to call out the plays before they happen. It's a, it's a unique ability that he has. Now, whether if he's tied into the headset or not, like the XFL is, we'll never know. But it seems like a cool ability that he has. So he gets $17 million, and you should be saying good for him. Not Michael Thomas, though. Michael Thomas tweets out, That there's no reason for an announcer to get paid more than the players. And that this is why the CBA should not be signed. That's just stupid. I'm sure Michael Thomas is a smart guy. I'm sure Michael Thomas is a good guy. He's a great football player. A great one. But I'm sure he's smart. I'm not calling him stupid. But this idea, this rhetoric, this tweet is stupid. It's flatly stupid. The NFL is not paying Tony Romo $17 million. The NFL, Roger Goodell, is not signing Romo's checks. CBS is. So he's worth whatever CBS says he's worth. And if that's more than 90% of the league or 50% of the league, then that's more than 90% of the league or 50% of the league. This isn't the first guy to ever get a huge deal. Especially in media. So what's the difference in Romo getting $17 million and a decade ago, two decades ago, John Madden getting $9 million? What's the difference? It's insane to me to even compare them. They're apples and oranges. You're getting paid under the NFL umbrella, and that's your prerogative. What happens outside of that, though, has no bearing on the CBA and the players and this and that. It just doesn't. So, to act like the NFL is hurting the players by giving Romo more than players, the NFL's not doing that. CBS is. Now, you can say that this should be a part of the demand, I guess, but that's also stupid because in no CBA... Will the minimum salary go to 17 million dollars? There's no CBA that will do that. The owners will not agree to it. So this tweet was totally useless. Totally useless. And by the way, Jim Nance gets millions of dollars, which is more than half the NFL. Everyone who who works at that level, who you watch on TV, gets paid more than the NFL players, who is who is of note, Colin Cowherd. Dan Patrick, Dan Lamboutard, Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman, Skip Bayless. The list goes on and on. The media who you listen to gets paid more than most of the players they get paid to talk about. Especially in the NFL. Especially in baseball. Cause in baseball those young players are on just god awful contracts. Now they do have their signing bonus and whatnot, but in terms of their in terms of their actual salary, the media gets paid a lot more than them. But that's not the NFL's fault. They can't—they can, cannot tell CBS, hey, don't pay Romo this. But they're also not going to say, you know what, Romo set the market. Romo working for CBS in a booth set the market, and I will now implement a minimum contract of $17 million. The media members are always going to get paid more than half of the players. They're more valuable. They're more valuable. If you take Tony Romo out of that booth and put in an absolute joke, Jason Witten. Jason Witten was an absolute joke. And and Monday Night Writing suffered. Monday Night is especially a, a game where Tony Romo would have a ton of power, a ton of pull. And that's why ESPN wanted to get him so bad. Because they have bad games on Monday Night. They have bad games. And John Gruden made up for that with his personality. You did not want to miss what John Gruden, what John Gruden was going to say. You, you cared about that more than the actual matchup. So he got paid more than half the league. They're more valuable. What Tony Romo adds to CBS's coverage, what Tony Romo adds to their social interaction, what Tony Romo adds to their ability to sell ads and their viewership is way more way more than what Chad Henney adds to the Chiefs. It's way more than what Jordan Lucas adds to the Chiefs. So even if you want to make that comparison of bridging the gap between media and professional sports, they're more valuable than Jordan Lucas. You know how many Jordan Lucases there are out there? A ton. There's... People that are Jordan Lucas's caliber playing Division Two football right now. Now that's no shot at Jordan Lucas, but he's replaceable. Tony Romo, how many former quarterbacks would be as good as Tony Romo in the booth? Because you're because there's a ton of good journalism majors and a ton of good journalism media members, but as a color guy, you you traditionally want a former player, preferably a quarterback. That narrows the pot down a ton. We see it on other broadcasts. There's a reason Tony Romo's on the A team, and the color guys around the league aren't. There's a reason Troy Aikman is on the A team, and Charles Davis isn't. Now Charles Davis is very talented, but Troy Aikman is the typical quarterback. has a ton of track has a ton of track record in the NFL and is familiar. Charles Davis not so familiar to casual NFL fans. But again, Tony Romo is more valuable. Then the percentage of the league that Michael Thomas states, who does not make as much as him. So again, it just goes back to how valuable are you? Tony Romo's more viable. He's n- Now Charles Davis isn't making what Tony Romo makes. And I would argue that as a, as a pound-for-pound analyst, Charles Davis is a much better analyst than Tony Romo. Tony Romo has a better shtick. Tony Romo has a better recognizable shtick. Charles Davis X's and O's pound-for-pound analyzing things and and observing things is much better than Tony Romo. But Tony Romo's funny. He's charismatic. He's memorable. You're going to remember that play he called. And he has a shtick. Charles Davis just has a ton of brilliant analysis. That's forgetful. You can say it's a good point in the moment. Once the game hits the triple zeros, and we've seen all the game transpire, you forget about it. You remember what Tony Romo said. So he's more valuable from a broadcaster standpoint. And again, he's more valuable to his team, which would be CBS, Jim Nance, than Jordan Lucas is to his team. And again, I don't want to harp on Jordan Lucas, but you know what I mean. It's It's a minute backup who is replaceable by a wide margin. The Chiefs lost Jordan Lucas. They could pick somebody up in free agency off the streets, bring him in, teach him the the playbook in a week, and he'd be just as effective, he'd be just as useful as Jordan Lucas. Now you know who's not replaceable? Patrick Mahomes. That's who's not replaceable. Travis Kelsey. Tyreek Yo. You can replace them in the sense of there can be someone else out there, but you're not going to get that same level of production. I can go out and easily replace Jordan Lucas with that same level of production. You can't do that with Romo. You cannot do that with Romo. So he gets paid $17 million. He gets paid more than half the league, or whatever Michael Thomas percentage-wise says. But again, he's more valuable. And also, furthermore, they do not compare with each other at all. One's getting paid by CBS, one's getting paid by the NFL. So what is your end goal here, Michael Thomas, by saying that we should not sign the, the CBA because Tony Romo makes $17 million? Would you like CBS to attract the contract? And give him less money? Or were you trying to have this fantasy land where you go out there and find a CBA in which the replacement level players like Jordan Lucas get paid $17 million? Which is it? Because I'm not quite seeing how you're putting two and two together. So the last topic I want to discuss before Thursday's show is the Washington Redskins. Well, I mean, right now, they're playing the game. I'm sure you all know what's happening right now in Washington, and I do not mean Super Tuesday. Although you should go vote, and all that good stuff. But the Redskins are out there, and they're trotting out these smoke screens. That they're bringing in Joe Burrow, they're bringing in Tua Tagovailoa. They're evaluating them. They're seeing how good they are. That Ron Rivera's not sold on Dwayne Haskins. That they're considering trading. I mean, not trading. They're, they're considering drafting Tua Tagovailoa. And it's simply a smokescreen. The first thing is, Dan Snyder, the owner of the Redskins, is not going to allow them to move on from Dwayne Haskins. Dan Snyder is the only reason that Dwayne Haskins is in Washington. No one wanted him. No one wanted him at the time, and it seems like no one wants him now. But Dan Snyder wants him. He's the owner. He gets what he wants. He's not going to allow Ron Rivera or anyone else To pick over Dwayne Haskins, you're going to have to at least give Dwayne Haskins a shot. But you've got to play the game. You've got to make it seem like you want Tua. Because all you're trying to do right here is bait Miami to jump up. Just bait Miami to jump up from five to three, get a huge haul, and continue your rebuild. The reverse of the RG3 trade. You got antsy. You wanted RG3. You traded up all the way to two. Didn't care who you knocked over to do it. Didn't care the picks you gave up to the Rams to do it. Didn't care. You wanted RG3. You went and got him. Didn't work out. Outside of a glorious 15-week stretch. Didn't work out. But you went up and got your guy. And you're hoping Miami does the same if you're Washington. The problem is I don't see them doing that. I just don't. Because you can just call the Redskins bluff. Okay, take Tua. And if they don't take Tua and they they take Chase Young, which we all expect them to do, I expect them to take Chase Young, everyone expects them to take Chase Young. But if they don't take Tua, so let's assume that they take Chase Young, the Lions aren't taking Tua. I mean, unless this, this Matt Stafford trade demand is serious... Is more serious than expected right now. The Giants aren't taking Tua, and then there you go. I mean, you're right there at Miami. So, I don't see this actually coming to fruition. And if it does, good for the Redskins. I mean, they have, in a way, duped Miami into trading up. But the Redskins are in no loose situation because they're not. They're simply not going to. They're simply not going to draft Tua. And they shouldn't. Tua has a lot of red flags. His medical history being the biggest one. And if you're the Redskins, you're not a quarterback away. You're not a Tua away. So draft Chase Young, or trade down and draft some other top prospect. Do whatever you need to do just to stay away from Tua. Live with Dwayne Haskins for this year. You're going to be bad again. You're going to be picking in the top of the draft again. And then next year's class features Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. That's two better quarterbacks than the ones we have in this draft, I think. I think that I would rather have Fields and Lawrence than Burrow and, and Tagovailoa. So, if you're the Redskins, you can. the only way you can mess this up if you're the Redskins is by taking Tua. Because you're not going to be good next year regardless. He has a lot of red flags. So you can just evaluate Dwayne Haskins. If he fails again and doesn't look like a good quarterback, then take Trevor Lawrence. Take Justin Fields. Because you're going to be right there in the thick of things to be able to either move up up and get him or stay put and get him. That's what I would do if I was Washington. But you never know with the Redskins. You never know. But I I think, if I was predicting right now, the Redskins do not take Tua. They either trade down with Miami and it works or they take Chase Young. But I, I don't see a way... That they take Tua. Because again, it goes back to Dan Snyder. I don't care if Ron Rivera truly likes Tua. But Dan Snyder is not going to let them get get rid of Dwayne Haskins yet. And to be fair to Dwayne Haskins. He looked a lot better in the second half of the season. The second half of the season. When no one was watching the Redskins. When no one paid attention to the Redskins. He looked a lot better as a quarterback. He looked much, much improved. Much improved. So I'm not ready to give up on Dwayne Haskins yet. Now if I had to bet... Tua has a better career than than Haskins. I've had a bet right now. But neither one of them delivers the Redskins into competitiveness this year. And I do believe that that Lawrence and Fields have a better career than Tua. So I would sit it out this year and wait for next year. And I think that this is all smokescreens. I'm not trying to pile on the Redskins and, and call them stupid or anything. I think this is truly the Redskins. This is truly them playing the game. They're going to say they're interested, they're not really. They're just trying to bait Miami to jump up, and that's all this is. No harm, no foul. If it works, great. If not, oh well, we got Chase Young anyway. So, I'm interested in this draft. I had a whole draft preview with Arrowhead Tom on Thursday, in which I said that, hey, I think this is going to be the most entertaining draft. This is going to be the draft that features the most trades and the most moves on draft day. It'll be one that you will not want to miss, and I still believe that. So it'll be fun. We'll be back on Thursday to talk about any news that breaks between now and then and just more NFL talk in general. Slow news time right now for the NFL, but it'll pick up here in a little bit as we continue on through the off season. So be good and be good to one another, and I'll see you next time on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, a part of the Fan Sided Podcasting Network.